Welcome back to Americanish. My name is Mary Waba. And I'm Adela Kochav, and together we are the Daughters of Diaspora. So, as you can probably tell by our a little bit more heavy clothing, and we got sweaters out, it's about to be sweater weather, you know? Um, so we're in September, and we're both not very happy about it, but uh, September means that Jewish holidays are right around the corner. So I know Rosh Hashanah's coming up, and I know a few more are a few other ones are also coming up. So let's break it down, Adele. Let's break it down. So if you are Jewish, you know that the first half of the academic year, right? September, it doesn't exist. Like the first month, the first two months, like it just does not exist because we have Rosh Hashanah, which is Jewish New Year. It's two full days. Then we have Yom Kippur, which is a day of fasting, a night and a day, right? And then we have um, Sukkot, which we sit in huts for a week. And then we have Simchat Torah, which means the happiness of the Torah, where we make candy bags and throw candy everywhere because we got the Torah. And it all sounds wonderful, but it's really like eight, nine weekdays that you can't work. Hmm. So it takes away from the entire month, like literally two days a week. I'm just out of commission where it's like oh, Monday and Tuesday, not in September. Yeah. I am not around. Yeah. <laughs> so what it, can you can we break down each holiday by what it celebrates? Let's start with Sukkot. Yes. So Sukkot is the third one here in September. Um, and it's actually my favorite one because I think it's the, the funkiest. And it's like um, when people think about like ancient traditions, mm -hmm. Sukkot should be forefront in your mind. Yeah. And if it's not, it's because we've done a bad job in terms of press. So Sukkot is uh, sometimes known as the hut holiday. So we celebrate the harvest. It is, again, at the um, end of the summer season, beginning of the fall. And it's supposed to be a harvest festival. So it um, commemorates a couple of things. So number one, when the Jews left Egypt, uh, we were in the desert and the desert, of course, is very hot and there's sun beaming down and the sand is hot and there were people attacking us from the right and left. So um, God put um, clouds that would be under our feet. That way our feet wouldn't burn and over our heads. That way the sun wouldn't burn us and on the sides. That way it would catch the arrows of the Egyptians had they decided to attack again. So that's one thing that the sukkah can symbolize. Hmm. But another is uh, the tabernacle, right? So when we were in the desert wandering, uh, we didn't have a temple because we had to get up and go. So they kind of made this like to go temple um, <laughs> that had like parts that fit together and certain people had to carry certain parts. It was kind of like when people go camping and like they disassemble a tent and then like they put their tent back together. That's what it was. Um, and that was a tabernacle. So um, it was a temporary dwelling. So we make the Sukkot, the huts, yeah. to uh, commemorate that we were temporarily um, wandering through the desert. And just now we're in exile. The Messiah is not here. So even though we're established in our homes, established in whatever country we're in, this is all temporary, right? We have to establish that this is just a stepping stone until the Messiah comes and we all go back to Israel and worship in the temple and whatnot. So um, that's Sukkot. But another fun tradition we have in Sukkot, aside from sitting in huts for a week, um, is you take a branch and you take a lemon and it's four different types of branches, each one symbolizing something else. Hmm. Um, and a very large lemon that smells super sweet and fragrant and you just shake them in every direction. And um, I wish I, I knew why. There's a hundred explanations why. Um, but I don't actually know. They, they say it's because like there's like those four different elements, like the three branches and the lemon, and you're bringing them together to show that you're bringing things together. And then you shake them in all directions to show that everything's together. 
Um, mm. You know, each one's so different, but they all work together and they're all plants or something. I, I, I don't know if someone in the comments, you know, if you're listening to this drop down, explain why do we have a Lulavanek drug? I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's Zukot in a nutshell. <laughs> there's there's one thing that I really love and appreciate about Jewish holidays, and it's the act of remembering I think memory and remembering, remembrance in, in Jewish tradition is a big pillar. Um, and uh, there's this, I forget his last name, but Rabbi Mir, he has this mm -hmm. show, and he really breaks down how powerful remembering is mm -hmm. and, and why fasting to remember something that happened thousands of years ago may seem really absurd and like, what are we doing? This is the 21st century. What are we doing remembering a guy that died way back when? But there's something so powerful about remembering and mourning together. And he does a way better job of explaining it than I do. But I think it's really, really powerful. And that brings me to Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. What is it? So Rosh Hashanah is Jewish New Year. And um, of course, a lot of traditions celebrate New Year. We know here in the secular U.S., right, there's the ball dropping and everyone wears different glasses and everyone parties and wears sequins, right? That's kind of what we do here. And of course, we know Chinese New Year has a ton of traditions around it and a ton of great celebrations and big parties. And you invite everyone to celebrate with you. And Rosh Hashanah is a bit different because um, it's essentially two dinners. And the dinners are um, commemorative dinners. And of course, like you'll, you'll see apples and honey all over for Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. So that symbolizes a sweet new year. There's mm -hmm. a lot of symbolism. But we also have like squash and leek and black eyed peas to commemorate the downfall of our enemies. Right. <laughs> like it's not even commemorating. It's like hoping for a sweet year and hoping for the downfall of our enemies. Yeah. And it's it's kind of like this cute up and down. Like you have like a date like, oh, may this year be very sweet. And it's like, oh, that's so nice. You have like a Ramon and pomegranate and you say, oh, may your merits be plentiful. And it's like, oh, so nice. And then it's like you're having like all of like these other foods and it's like, may your enemies be squashed. <laughs> That's what I love to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. But um, my, my least favorite part of Rosh Hashanah is um, as part of the symbolism, you have to symbolize that you want to start the year as the head and not as the tail. So um, as part of Rosh Hashanah, Ashkenazim will sometimes have the head of a fish that they eat from hmm. and Sephardim, at least my family. It's the tongue of a cow. Hmm. And I don't like heads and I don't like um, cow tongue. So that's not a really fun part for me. And like there, it really is split half and half because like I, I'm one of four siblings, right? So um, my older brother and my youngest sister love it, the, the cow tongue. And me and my middle sister just squirm thinking about it. So my brother and my other sister take the full cow tongue and they put it in their mouth and they're like, does this yep. bother you? And we're like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this very much bothers us. So uh, that's a, a fun Rosh Hashanah tradition to be the head and not the tail. Eat eat some cow tongue. You're so wrong about cow tongue. No, cow tongue? it's delicious. Have you ever had it in a taco? Yeah, I, I've I've heard. I've heard. <laughs> they tell me just imagine it's cold cuts. Like, what's the difference between yeah. cow tongue and pastrami? The difference is that if you look at the tongue, it has little taste buds, <laughs> and I can't do it. I can't do it. I wish I could. I can't. All right, we'll go to we'll go to <laughs> Brooklyn and get some tacos, and you'll forever change your mind. Okay, change my mind, please. That's like the sign. Change my mind. Yeah, I don't like tongue. Change my mind. <laughs> Sit at a table. <laughs> and you just have people bring you tacos. Yeah, That's bring me bring me tacos of different kinds. Ideal life. Yeah, tacos are Mexican food. For all our listeners that got mad when I said nachos weren't Mexican food, tacos are. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, okay, Yom Kippur. I know a little bit about, but I I. Okay, a little bit is an exaggeration. I know it involves mourning. Am I yes. right? Um, so Yom Kippur is the Day of Atonement. 
yeah. right? It's um, actually the, the most serious holiday in all of Jewish tradition. Mm-hmm. It's not fun at all. And it's from sundown to sundown. So it's about 26 hours of fasting. And not only are you fasting, but you're going to services the whole time. So in my family, for example, we'll, we'll have dinner. Let's say it's at like 6 p.m. We'll stop eating at hard 7. We'll go to synagogue until maybe 10 p.m. And then we'll get home, go to sleep. And then 10 a.m. the next day, at least 10 for the women, if you're the men, you're up there early. Um, we go back to synagogue and we're just in synagogue all day. And then depending on how fast the prayer is, maybe there'll be a one hour break mm. between like, you know, four and 5 p.m., you know maybe one hour. So it's, um, it's a lot, it's heavy and it's a day of atoning. So not only do you go through the list of the sins that you've committed and you really have to go through each one. You also multiple times a day say prayers where you're reading out pretty much any sin that any human could commit. So, um, as you read them, you start realizing, Oh, I've definitely committed that one. I've definitely committed that one. So it's, it's a really heavy day, uh, where everyone just feels very heavy because you're commemorating all of that. Um, and it closes. I actually love the way that Yom Kippur closes. Um, it closes with the shofar, which if you've seen the, the giant ram horn. So we also blow it on Rosh Hashanah, which is like to wake you up that the new year started. And that means that you should atone for your sins, right? It's the new year. Wake up. That's what it is. But on Yom Kippur, we blow it all the way at the end to symbolize that the gates of heaven are closing. We say that on Yom Kippur, the gates oh, of heaven are open in that your prayers are being heard. They have a special weight to them. And it's supposed to be like that last long shofar sound is just like you feel it echo in the synagogue and like everyone kind of feels it. And it's called Ne'ilah, which is like the the closing of the gates. And it's really intense. But I I do have to say, like, as as hard as Yom Kippur is, it's where I feel most Jewish. Hmm. Um, Not that Jews love suffering, (laughs) but um, it's, it's like really a day that's so personal, but at the same time, so communal because you're going through your personal atonement, but you're doing this while you're fasting, while you're exhausted, while you're in synagogue with everyone else. Yeah. Um, And I think that's really powerful. Um, So I I know that there's also a fast coming up in the Coptic tradition. So what, what's this one like? What does it commemorate? Yeah. So there's, there's plenty coming up. I Um, I hear there's a lot. Yeah. So we just had one, um, St. Mary's fast and that's Mm -hmm. 15 days in August. And that's always such a beautiful fast. Um, and then the one for Christmas is also coming up. Um, and that one's pretty long. I believe that's 55 days. Um, so full of vegan diet. And, um, just to your point about like feeling the most Jewish in this like day of atonement, and to bring it back to the theme of Abrahamic faiths and how we're so similar, despite fundamental differences, there's a day of or a week of or a month of atonement across the Abrahamic faiths. Mm-hmm. Um, Muslims have Ramadan where they're atoning for their sins and praying for their forgiveness. And Christians have different periods throughout the year where they're mm-hmm. kind of asking for forgiveness for all that they've wronged. Um and it's really beautiful to hear you say that's where you feel most Jewish because mm-hmm. it's the moments where you feel how small and insignificant you are that I feel most Christian. And we have to talk to a Muslim friend of ours and see what is it like experiencing Ramadan on a yearly basis and how mm-hmm. holy that month is and how and how it signifies so much more than, you know, just not eating for yeah. uh, for multiple hours during the day. But yes, lots of Coptic fasts coming up. Um I need to do better if we're being honest, (laughs) but I'm excited. The, the Christmas one's always really special because it's long. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of building up to, um, Christmas and we'll talk about it as Christmas comes, but 
Katta Christmas is on the Eastern calendar. So it's celebrated uh, the first week of January as opposed mm-hmm. to December 25th. Um, and it's always a fun time. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm excited to hear about all the Christmas traditions. I know we talked about it a little bit last season, but we're going to delve deep. So yeah, everyone yeah. stay tuned to delve deep when it comes to Coptic Christian, Christmas. But um, the last holiday that we have in September yes. um, for the Jewish people is called Simchat Torah, which are the last two days of Sukkot. So the last two days of the ho- holiday, we have Shemini Yatzeret, and then we have Simchat Torah, right, which literally means the happiness of the Torah. Mm. And... Um, Lit- the the whole point of the holiday is that like we celebrate um, finishing the Torah. It's because we, we read a part of the Torah each week and this is like the culmination, like this is where the cycle resets, right? So um, everyone gets candy and like your synagogue gives out candy and these candy bags and in my grandma's house actually what we do is like they, they buy Costco amounts of candy. Like just, I cannot explain. I'm going to show you a picture after this ginormous table full of candy and we go like around assembly line style making candy bags this big for each kid in our synagogue and it's it's amazing and bizarre but it it is like a time of happiness it's also nice like after like you have like all these like intense holidays right like Rosh Hashanah is like you know like fun intense but you have to go through the Seder where like you're commemorating everything with each individual food and then you have Sukkot where like you're sitting in your hut and like you're shaking lemons and you know you do what you gotta do um (laughs) And then you have Simchat Torah, right? Like, and you had Yom Kippur before that. But yeah, and then you have Simchat Torah where you're really just like happy and you're celebrating and you're eating candy and you're like, this is what a holiday should be, right? Like holidays do come with a lot of heavy ritual and I love heavy ritual, but it's also nice to have, you know, a holiday that's just like, let's be happy and eat and pray. Okay, yeah. let's do that. What's so. the age limit on, on the candy bag? Candy like, bag. do I get one? There is no age limit. Whoa. That's the beauty of Simchat Torah. Love that. Okay, I'll be there. <laughs> well, we'll save you a candy bag. I'll make sure to bring one for you. Okay, good. I'll make sure to bring one. Okay, those Jewish holidays, a little bit of Coptic holidays. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.